point in three for Norwich City over a busy festive period. Now the tree is down, the new year is in. We're going to reflect on everything that happened in those three games since we last recorded. Welcome back to the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, brought to you by Coleman's of Norwich to reflect on the festive period that was for Norwich City. I'm joined by Paddy Davitt, Samuel Seaman and Adam Harvey after Norwich City's 1-1 draw against Southampton at Carrow Road today to look back on it. Now last time we recorded everything was well in the world. Norwich had lost uh, just once in eight games. Paddy, I, I mean you've confused me a bit because you've all changed seats uh, with the exception of Adam who's kept the continuity which is good. Tactical reshuffle which will become apparent when we get into the discussion on this Southampton game because it's all about the tactical reshuffle. It is. And, we, we, and this we... will be as ineffective potentially as uh, <laughs> as the one that albeit got a point so what am I talking about you know points a point isn't it? Yeah and we maybe it's because we didn't spend six minutes on it but we'll <laughs> wait and we'll come back to it. Paddy, a point across three festive games since we last recorded. Nine available. A 1-0 defeat away to West Brom, albeit with 10 men. Um, a 1-0 defeat away to Millwall. A 1-1 draw against Southampton today. Thoughts overall on, on, on that block of games from an Norwich City perspective? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd be inclined to throw Huddersfield in, which was the game before Boxing Day. I'm only doing that because we recorded the podcast after I that I know, game, but so. in the terms of overall, because a lot was made, and again, you know, by David Wagner, these last two games, it was this four-game, nine-day spell. Um Funny enough, I did put that question to him this afternoon after the game. You know, how do you rank four points from four festive games? And um, you know, his view, as as ours would be, I'm sure most Norwich fans, not enough in terms of points to, to be in. And I don't mean mathematically within touching distance because you can debate that, but actually really feeling they're in the race now for the top six because they had that platform you touched on, Connor. You know, one defeat in eight going into the Christmas swing. They've certainly not advanced their cause, that is for sure. Um, and for me, looking at the four, really, if they'd have beaten Huddersfield and beaten Millwall, which was, you know, if you're a team with aspirations to be in that conversation, then you have to do that. And then, OK, West Brom and Southampton, maybe, you know, they get the point today. And I don't think that would have been too bad. It certainly would have, for me anyway, would have represented a haul, which, OK, just keeps it tracking on again. And then you're getting into an 11-game block of consistent form. But... You know, to you know, lose at West Brom, lose at Millwall and get a point today in pretty ultra-defensive, you know, um, manner. That doesn't feel like they've progressed it on from one defeat in eight beforehand. So it feels like more of a holding pattern. And just a final thought on that in, in, in response, David Wagner said, yeah, Huddersfield, good win. West Brom, unsurprisingly, talked about, you know, playing with 10 for an hour. Almost, if you couldn't really assess that performance because of the the circumstances they were they they found themselves in after science is red, Millwall quite happy to admit below par, and then today he felt that was because of the way they'd set up. They got the baseline of what they were hoping to get, which is a point. So he thought that was a good result in the context of you know how they went about it against a very informed Southampton. So yeah, he he didn't dispute that it hasn't been good enough in terms of points over the festive period, but. I guess it feels a bit more more of the same that we're in this sort of eternal holding pattern and you're just hoping that they break out of that and that they really put the foot to the accelerator but that hasn't happened over the Christmas period clearly. It hasn't. There's three games. There's three of you gents here so I, I make that a game each although we'll probably spend a little bit longer speaking about Southampton given that was the most relevant. That's that's how David Wagner saw it. Sam, um, I'll give you West Brom to, to start. Your reflections, thoughts, feelings on, on, on that particular encounter. 
Um, I don't think it's it's necessarily fair, as Wagner seemed to suggest that you can uh, you can yeah <laughs> 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 you can. Uh, I don't think you can completely write that off because of the red card. Because I thought Norwich were poor uh, beforehand. I think they were destined to lose that game with eleven players. I didn't think the tactical setup was right, and they were conceding chances left, right, and centre really. Um, probably impacted them the fact that the player that got sent off was the one that seemed to be dragging them back into the game at that point and seemed to be providing a threat in that sort of counter-attacking sense. But looking back at how things have unfolded today, I think you can see what Wagner was hoping to achieve at West Brom. But I think you have to question that given how different those two sides are. And yes, in the table, you might point out one was fifth when Norwich went to them, Southampton were, were third when they visited Carrow Road today, but the trajectories of the team was teams was going in completely different uh, directions. West Brom were in a real period of negative momentum, they were under pressure, they were struggling for confidence, and Southampton came as the form team in the championship. I think they won their last four, and they play completely different football to West Brom as well. It's much more patient, much slower, and although West Brom likes to have possession, Southampton's is, is borderline obsessive with how they they treat that aspect of the game. So I think maybe that was misguided. Um, obviously, we have to talk about Borja Scienth and a red card that was definitely a, a very silly red card. A lot of people were looking at the second one and he shouldn't have done that, but probably also some attention needs to be on the first one, which was an absolutely needless tackle where he was never going to win the ball and he went to ground when West Brom were on the counter and um, earned himself a yellow card and although West Brom were in a good position it wasn't necessarily one of those where you think there's sort of a 50% chance of them scoring or anything like that so both yellow cards were needless really both were avoidable uh, science has, has put himself in that position and put Norwich in that position so a lot of the blame for that goes to him but equally Wagner didn't really get it right with 11 players so plenty went wrong uh, on Boxing Day, um, yeah, I, th- I don't really buy the argument that you can write that one off because of the red card. No, I agree. I, I, I'm with you. I think Norwich would have got beaten with uh, with 11, to be honest. I, I don't think it shifted the dynamic of the game that much, um, other than perhaps um, robbing Norwich of their kind of attacking outlet, which may be particularly pertinent when we, when we come on to the Southampton game. Adam, you've drawn the short straw, I'm afraid. You get to uh, you get to offer us your, your thoughts and insight on, on that Millwall defeat on Friday, which was the 29th. Um, not great. <laughs> you take it from there. Yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. I think you kind of look at it before the game and Millwall have won three out of 12 at home. They were struggling a little bit to make the den the sort of fortress that it has been in, in well, years years and years and years now, decades of kind of going there and it's quite intimidating. They're, the fans are on top of you and Norwich almost played into their hands and allowed Millwall to, to almost get that atmosphere back and that sort of ferocious nature, sort of the the manner of Ashley Barnes and kind of losing his head a little bit, which just got the Millwall fans back on side. Um, I think they, well, the team selection for me was the automatic red flag as soon as it, it dropped. You know, he drops out Shane Duffy, who had a, a brilliant performance at, at West Brom a few days prior. I know, you know, he spoke about kind of resting players and managing the squad, and there is challenges to that. But then you look at the wide men, you know, you've got Ono Hernandez and, and Fashnak, neither of which have played terribly well at all at any point particularly sort of the last three, four months. I mean, Fashnak, maybe when he first came, had glimmers of it, but since then it's been very poor. And you've got your your top goal scorer, your arguably 
one of your best players sat there on the bench, which, you know, don't get me wrong, Johnny Rowe's not been at his levels probably in, since he's come back from his injury, but he's still a player that can affect it. Um, I think particularly against a, a Millwall defence, which you know what you're going to get. They're big, they're physical. I think Johnny Rowe's pace is kind of, you know, his ability with the ball might have been quite useful in that kind of game. Of course, they had no Borja signs, which was a huge blow. But I think, yeah, the, the team selection for me was almost then mirrored by by the result and the performance. They didn't create anything at all. Um, and, and Mill were by far the, the better side on the day. And I think, you know, particularly given their, well, their new manager, he'd only won, I think, two in nine or one in nine prior to that as well. So poor poor performance, not great. And, and there's not really much else you can say other than they deserved the defeat. And yeah, I think I think Millwall will probably kick on from now because you, know, you could see there was the, the foundations there of, of a decent side. Yeah, and, uh, and beat Bristol City today by all accounts, which uh, means, Mr Dabbit, that, that brings us right up to today and Southampton. A uh, bit of a whistle-stop festive tour there, but it saves us sort of um, clogging up half an hour of the podcast with games that already happened. Um, what, what did you make of this? Because it feels like there's a bit of a split. I think everyone would, do, would agree in isolation. Today was a very good point. I think it's probably more the approach and how Norwich City went about getting that point, which has is, which is irked some supporters. Yeah, that's a good diplomatic word, Connor. Yeah, I think there's a lot of frustration, really. And that did rupture, um, albeit it was a very brief interlude, but the eight minutes or so from Adam Armstrong putting Southampton in front to Josh Sargent equalising in that final quarter of the game, um, you know, did evoke nowhere near as vitriolically, but it was, you know, there was a direct uh, approach vocally towards Wagner and his brand of football um, and not in a flattering term either we had, we had that with Dean Smith uh, and it was obviously on a much wider scale I'm not seeking to draw a parallel between you know that Blackburn home game that Dean Smith it felt like three three sides of the ground were, were telling him uh, time to go um, but it was there it was you could hear it um, it was audible um, and obviously then it subsequently subsided once Norwich got back on level terms but I dread to think if that hadn't happened and Norwich do get beat and maybe Southampton had a second or a third by the end and, and they walk off and they've set up in that manner with a, as by his own admission, 5-4-1, McLean in, in a defensive three essentially, but your two full-backs, wing-backs, locked into that five unit as well. And, and then the possession stat, I mean, 25% possession at Car Road. Um, I'm not the man to ask on the st- stats, but have when was the last time Norwich had 25% possession at Car Road? You are going back many a season. Probably... May, certainly championship-wise, but Premier League-wise, maybe when Man City's of the world come here. But but even that, even that, I'm sure they had more than 25%. I mean, it was so low um, against, you know, Sam's right, a, a team who it's almost in their DNA under Russell Martin. So, so that was going to be more marked, but still. And David was openly uh, candid in his post-match that he, when you set up in that way and you look, you seek to block the lanes where Southampton can threaten, you're essentially willing to cede possession. But... Oh, I don't know, I don't know. That, that cannot be the way without any sense of entitlement. If you're a Norwich fan going to Car Road, watching your team in the Championship uh, and seeing your team set up in a five, I don't care who they're playing in the Championship, top side like Southampton or, or a lesser light. Um, and it, for me, in a broader sense, if you zoom out, it, it, it bleeds into this kind of passive, um, ultra-defensive, almost conservative approach that David Wagner when push comes to shove, would appear to tick towards. And, you know, none of that we saw today is symptomatic of a, a group of players or a head coach who 
are really going to have enough about them to get in this top six debate as we go on. The only caveat, of course, is now Sargent's back and he underlined it. You know, he will score goals, but is that of itself enough? Can he can he be the talisman both in terms of goals and also raising the levels collectively of that team? It's a huge ask on his shoulders. But uh, I, I I mean, it's good that we're not here talking about more kind of toxicity because it, it could have easily probably gone that way if they hadn't got back into that game. Um, and whether we're just postponing it and kicking the can down the road a little bit, obviously there's now an FA Cup interlude to come this weekend. So, but you know, on the horizon is some very difficult away games. Um, particularly in the West Brom here, aren't they? Back at Carrow Road in short order. So, yeah, it, that wasn't a good look, I don't think. Yes, no no dispute in a point against a team who was 17 unbeaten who are justifiably in the mix for automatic promotion um, is a good point in isolation. But to go about it in that manner um, is is not a good look for a team who harbour their own. I mean, Zoe Weber again in her latest column today, um, challenging for playoffs that that is there in black and white in her match day column so you know they very much expect internally to be in the top six conversation um and David Wagner was good I thought in his mitigation why he went that way and about being brave and trying to make brave calls um and horses for courses but uh, I just I just don't think you're an Norwich fan you would expect your team to play in that manner in that setup at home against anybody in the championship and that of itself probably underlines where they are in the current pecking order and, and that they feel the need to set up in that manner against, albeit probably one of the teams will be in the mix for the top two. Yeah, and a couple of points. Just to answer your, your first point, they they did have a few or a lower percentage of possession last year against his Swansea side, which was 23%, but uh, they, they were down to 10 men, weren't they? Not not to offer them. So, you know, obviously if you're down to 10 men, you just offload uh, all of that analysis on, on that game. Um yeah, I, I think I think it's interesting, and I make two points on the ones that, that you've just made, really, which is, I guess, to draw a parallel a little bit to the run of form where they had one defeat in eight, where we we were probably sat here going, yep, result in isolation, pretty good performance and approach, maybe not so good, and and, and that probably we've probably fallen into that trap again today because you said it, it took Norwich going a goal behind really to spark some sort of attacking comeback. The second one I would I would throw on the table is actually. The reverse fixture, and okay, yeah, Southampton under Russell Martin are in a very different sphere in that game in August, and Norwich City under David Wagner in a very different place as well. But you you look at how Norwich City approached that game, where they wanted to go and went actually toe to toe with that Southampton team. It finished four four. It was an epic game, but just the whole feeling around the whole thing is is completely different. It felt a lot more sustainable than than today's result, where almost you know you're, you're on the ropes and and you're absorbing loads and loads of punches. And and actually, what I found perhaps most frustrating of all, Sam which people are going to find a little bit odd when I say it, I found Norwich's goal really frustrating, but um, in the sense that. I think it shows the quality that Norwich have in, in this team. You've got John Rowe, a player there who, uh, as Adam said earlier, is so capable at this level. And we've seen it early on in this season. Josh Sargent, someone so capable. And they're reduced really to, to having to produce individual moments, which that goal was really. It was an individual run from John Rowe and, and a ball slotted through. That is where my super frustration with this is because we've, we've had a lot of debates this season about the quality of, of this team. I, I don't feel there is bad as perhaps they've been made out to be in in other places do I think they're a top six side probably not but they've they've certainly got individual talents there who feel like 
they have more to give and there's more to extract there in the right system that they're not doing. So I guess this all feeds into a conversation about approach today. What, what did you make about the way David Wagner went about it? Because again, in isolation, I've got no issue with Norwich City playing a five, playing a four, trying to reduce the space. But then you think about how Millwall did it on Friday night, where they had to soak up a lot of pressure and defend really well, but they constantly had an outball on the right. They constantly had a plan of how they were going to get up the pitch. And that, in turn, meant they created the better opportunities in the game. And what we saw, actually, was when Norwich City did go and, and, and commit men forward and try and play in that space, Southampton were, were put under pressure by that. There were opportunities there, and the best opportunities they came came when Norwich did shift. So what, what did you make of the the whole approach and, and I guess the frustration that is that has ensued? Um, I think I felt probably that any problems you had with that approach are with the club and the, the direction of travel at large rather than just with that game. I think going into the game with the squad of, of players that Wagner has, with the situation uh, that they're in, with the quality of performances they're producing, I don't have any problem at all with how he's set up to be honest, um, and I think they execute, executed it okay. You know, you, you, it's fair to highlight that Millwall managed to pull off a similar game plan with a little bit more ex- excitement and a little bit more attacking endeavour and creating more opportunities. But equally, I'm sure he highlighted that Southampton are a much better side than Norwich are. Uh, just, to, just to come back in that point, Preston came to Cow Road month or so ago, played very similar to how Norwich did today. And we we probably slated them a little bit yeah. for the way they approached that. It's very similar to what Norwich did today. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not condoning it in terms of a championship home fixture as the way forward or saying that it's a positive um, reflection of where Norwich are at the moment. I think it's a, a very negative reflection of where Norwich are at the moment because they shouldn't be in any championship game having to put 11 men behind the ball, play five at the back, especially for this occasion, and, and try and hang on for a point. But that's the situation they're in, and it's not necessarily a situation that David Wagner's um, just been put in himself. He's contributed to the sorts of players he wanted signed in the summer. He's contributed to signing Shane Duffy and starting him week in, week out. There's a centre-back who thrives in the sort of setup that Norwich were in today I think part of he's quite a big part of the reason actually why they couldn't have played with a high line against Southampton he's part of the reason why it probably suited them to have quite an immobile defence and sit in their own box and then rely on their pacier more exciting attacking players to go and produce a result for them so in the long term I think it highlights quite a lot of what's wrong with this club and what's wrong with this squad and how they've ended up because you know I think we all agree this is a club that should be putting themselves in a position to be proactive and attacking in every single championship game, especially at home. I'm just saying in context of everything, and that's not absolving anyone of any responsibility. Wagner has to an extent put himself in this position, but in the context of where they are, that's probably the approach that that I would have taken. And they did still create a couple of moments. They, They limited Southampton to probably two or three chances that you'd say they should have scored uh, and then they, they created moments with Borja Scyanth, with Jonathan Rowe obviously that one with, with Josh Sargent at the end Scyanth had a, a chance admittedly a bit of a half chance but on his left foot to um, to go and score late on in the game so you know I think when you're forced into that position admittedly by your own poor work in the long term I think they've done okay but it highlights to me where Norwich have gone wrong and it it's quite a grim picture actually painted that 
this is a club, even last year, going into the start of last season, everyone, including, I think, some people inside the club, assumed that this is Norwich City. They can just go back down to the Championship and without too much work, easily go back up to the Premier League because that's what they do. Now they're in a position where they surrender 75% of possession um, to another team. They sit back in a, a back five and they cling on and hope for a draw at home. And although that was probably the approach that was most likely to yield a result for them today that's not a result they should be that's not a position they should be in in the long term and i think that's where a lot of this negativity is coming from yeah i think that's fair adam any anything to add really in terms of the the approach what what were your thoughts on that because it's it, it is and i think it is worth pointing out no and we've we've made this point a lot in the last few weeks norwich fans are paying a lot of money for those season tickets and i've seen a few comments and indeed russell martin made a comment in fact about the atmosphere and and how flat it was i mean that that just points and i think we'll we'll probably have a broader discussion about david wagner in the second half of, of the show but it it points to and, and sam's touched upon it there just kind of where fans are at with with this team and and, and this club at, at this moment in time yeah, I thought Russell Martin's comments were pretty alarming and anyone within the football club should be listening to, to him. He's, of course, played you know hundreds and hundreds of games for this football club. He's been here during difficult spells at times where maybe the manager's been criticised or the board have been criticised or the players have been criticised. And even then, his feeling was that the atmosphere was better than what it was today. Uh, I saw it this morning on social media, plenty of people saying they'd rather do jobs around the house than, than go and watch football at Cow Road, which is, you know, that, that's absolutely ludicrous. You know, you think as a Norwich fan, you'd want to go and see your team in, at every available opportunity. We've been kind of, I suppose, lucky in that we've had lots of managers in the past that have played, you know, a really attacking brand of football that's exciting to go to go and watch. And I think almost fans are just clinging on to that element of kind of going to the games to see sort of friends or family more than maybe going to, to actually watch watch their team on the pitch um, and the, the tactical approach today. I mean, you've only got to go on uh, taking a gauge off social media, you know, sort of the, the five at the back system at home. Yes, they're playing, you know, a top calibre side in this division. But for me, at home, they've got to be trying to go on the front foot and tack every single team to try and get three points because they're at home, they're at Carrow Road. That's, that's got to be what their, their aims are to be. Um, and to be fair, you look at it today, the atmosphere was very flat and I think that's justified based on the approach and they're having to soak up a lot of you know a lot of pressure and, and Southampton dominance with the ball and there wasn't really a lot to, to get behind until maybe those sort of last 15 minutes when Sargent came on it maybe just gave that little bit more of a boost you know a player that the fans know has got the quality to score the goals in, in this division um, and then they went for it a little bit in the last 15 minutes and that maybe brought the, the fans back on side and I think that's maybe the way forward if, if David Wagner wants to get Norwich fans Back, you know, almost supportive of him. Whether that that's possible or not is, is a different story. But I think they have got to go and attack games, and hopefully now that Sargent's back, that maybe gives them the opportunity to do that because he's got the got the quality. And you know, if John Rowe can find his levels again, Borja Sainz looks like a, a really excellent addition. Now he's starting to kind of get games in this side. Um, Nunez is starting to maybe sort of look like the player we all hoped he might be. So yeah, there's a few few sort of positive elements there to cling on to. But yeah, I think I think. Probably that the comments that Russell Martin made. I think anyone in that boardroom listening to that, especially given the kind of the, the season ticket increase that's going to come, we sort of know of around the corner, should um, yeah, should be taken a gauge and, and sort of be a little bit alarmed. I think. Do you agree with that, Pad? On, on, in terms of Russell Martin's comments, I mean, we we heard Alex <laughs> Alex Neil, former Norwich manager, go down a similar approach towards the end of last season in terms of David Wagner setting up quite similarly. To be fair, away at Stoke, yeah. and that that ended as, as a nil-nil draw. I mean, this is. Uh, someone who played over 300 games for Norwich City, someone who's at Norwich City very recently. 
what were your thoughts in terms of his comments? Well, I mean, as we've discussed here in this segment, you have to respect his comments because he knows this football club inside out. He's seen it from the inside. He's been part of three, I think, promotion winning side. So he knows the Lambert era, the Neil era you referenced there as well. Yes, he, there were some difficult days, particularly in the Premier League, but he knows what this place is capable of in terms of that unifying sense of togetherness off the pitch, on the pitch, and how powerful it was. I mean, let's be honest, that's what Paul Lambert um, harnessed um, to tremendous effect. You know, it's about the players, it's about the fans. That was his mantra. And uh, people might choose to see that as a, a bit of a throwaway glib soundbite, but, but there's absolutely no doubt that um, in the best spells in the last 10 years or so, when this club is rolling and the fan base are fully behind what the because they like what they're seeing they like the product on the pitch they like the people who are shaping the direction of travel they can identify with these characters you know that is a powerful force uh, no doubt about it and it's probably carried Norwich in quite a few of these promotion successes um, and that's war, that's so far removed at the minute and I think if Russell Martin has detected that you know he came back last season with Swansea we touched on that uh, game a little bit earlier so it's not like he hasn't been back here for five or ten years. He was back here last year. And, and, and he won 3-0 on that And occasion. he won 3-0, but he, he was, I don't recall him coming out after that game and saying it was the flattest he'd, he'd experienced. And, and he also added in, in his post-match today, you know, off the back of what we just discussed, that he was surprised how Norwich went about it in terms of the setup um, and, and the tactical approach that they tried to, you know, trip his side up with. So, no, I mean, it, it, it's... But it's not it's not a surprise to any to us or anybody who has been to Carrow Road this season or the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, it's if that's what the outside observers are, are now detecting, I'm pretty sure that's what a lot of it inside the county observers. I mean, I felt today walking to the ground again, as I did. I think it was the Preston game. How quiet it was, you know, just on the approach to Carrow Road. You know, is there have I got the right date? Is there a game on here today? Without wanting to be too flippant, it was. You know, Adam's point is is valid. Social media was awash this morning with I uh, can't be bothered. I've tried to give. I saw one character say he tried to give his ticket away in four different WhatsApp groups, and there was no takers. Um, you know, all of these anecdotal pieces of information should be getting stitched together by those inside the club who matter. Um, particularly pertinently, as we are on the cusp of uh, season ticket renewals and that cycle, uh, an alarm bell should be ringing. There's absolutely no doubt about it, and. Uh, you know, if Russell Martin felt that was the case, I, I don't think anybody would argue with him. It was very quiet. There was periods in that first half today where you could hear the players in a crowd of... The attendance was given as 26-plus thousand. And, um, you know, there's no there's no doubt what the home fan has had to put up with over the last two years is... It's not value for money, is it? Let's, let's, be, let's get it straight. You know, it's, it's a long way short of that. Uh, and we won't even get into the entertainment factor. But... Um, that product at the moment, I'm afraid, doesn't justify the expense. And that's why a lot of people uh, are either deciding to vote with their feet and not turn up at present or potentially when push comes to shove and they have to uh, give their intentions to renew, maybe we'll, we'll think better of it. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting, I think, purely in terms of, uh, you know, trying to quantify the level of dissatisfaction in terms of how how big the take-up is this time around because I think it feels like we are at this point in recent times and, and it still translates and we discussed this on the walk back up from the ground that when push comes to shove most people maybe will renew because you know it's that 
family sort of ties it's your social gathering with friends um, it's the fear maybe that the season you don't after maybe having a season to give for, for a long period is the season when it comes together and you miss out you know all of those kind of human behavioural elements so it might not be the, the voting with the feet but if I was inside the club I'd be slightly concerned yeah, that, that it, it what we're feeling and what Russell Martin alluded to today is, is going to translate into a, a, a more challenging season ticket take-up. And then if that's the case, you would think that would, would clearly, you know, if they don't want to maybe put too much heed by social media, which is difficult to quantify in terms of how many people are expressing these opinions. But I'm pretty sure your core support base um, who are you know, spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds, if that begins to tank the other way, then, you know, what more needs to be said about um, why this club feels it's in a holding pattern and we await what's next over the horizon, shaped clearly by Ben Napper and maybe in the mid to longer term, Mark Atanasio and his group. It's it's the most expensive season ticket in the championship. It's it's more expensive as things stand on, on this year's prices than, than four in the in, in the Premier League. Um and that's with obviously a rise on the horizon as well. It's uh, it's a staggering amount of money that the Norwich City fans are, are being asked to to fork out to support their team. And, and I heard Gary Neville speaking over the festive period, and it wasn't about Norwich, obviously, but he was speaking about Manchester United. And and the it's not a comparable thing, but I think it touched upon something that you could um, speak in terms of Norwich. And it, it, his basically point was around kind of entitlement and this idea that Manchester United fans are entitled and. Um, how it's well, you know, and it's maybe this notion that oh well, you know, win a few games and everyone will be okay and it will be fine and just drift along and you can turn this page. But I think you know Norwich fans and and people aren't raised as Norwich fans because they are used to winning or they expect winning. That's that's not why you become a Norwich City fan. If you want to do that, you go and support Man City or or someone else. But it is this notion that Norwich City teams play in a certain way. They represent something. They look a certain way. They feel a certain way. Um, and, and there is at least something there that, that people can go, do you know what, we don't win every week, but blimey, at least we go toe-to-toe, or at least we try and play in this certain way. And actually, it's something that, I think Zoe Webber spoke about this maybe when she was on uh, the Tottenham City podcast and speaking about Dean Smith, and it was almost like... Um, well, we, we kind of knew that that isn't what we want and that isn't what Norwich fans want in terms of a head coach that doesn't really have an, an identifiable style of play. Um, and I think you, you come back to this kind of view, which is which is where where I think everything is at the moment, where if you're a Norwich fan at the moment, and, and let's say you've gone today, and yes, Norwich have got a good point, excellent point in isolation against a very good team on a very good run, as, as we've pointed out. What 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 has made you over the course of this ninety minutes get off your seat and get excited? Yes, a Josh Sargent goal, fine. But there's some really exciting talent in that team: John Rowe, Josh Sargent, um, Borja Science, who have, have barely touched the ball. You aren't you aren't seeing that. And this idea as well, and I've I've heard it a few times of, well, you know, it will just it will get to the summer and they'll you know maybe sort stuff out. And it's it's like well, okay, but you do that and then you're going to be without two of your best players because because Rowe and Sargent. Uh, Rowe and Sara, sorry, in, in, in probably um, any sort of realistic world, uh, uh, the likelihood is they won't be here beyond that that spell. Just just this sense of drift that has engulfed the whole place. And, and I think you've touched upon it there, Paddy, and we've probably touched upon it throughout this conversation, which is why games like this, I think, become more frustrating for supporters because it kind of encapsulates it. That is the thing that's difficult to shift and that they need to find an answer to, I think. Not this kind of, 
well, you know, five points off the playoffs and it's okay. I think it's it's got to be about bigger than that and more than that. And that will probably come on to um, to fuel a lot of the debate that we have in, in maybe part two of uh, of this pod. Hopefully that wasn't too much of like a rant or anything like that. But um, I, I think it, we, we've kind of touched upon some themes there. So we'll, we'll come back in part two. Uh, we've got a quiz question afterwards for a competition. Um, in associations with Coleman of, of, of Norwich, who very kindly sponsored this podcast. So we'll come back in, uh, in a wee while with that. Okay, part two of the uh, part two of the show. You're listening to the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with uh, Coleman's of Norwich, famous of course for their mustard and their apple sauce and their mint sauce and apple sauce and all of the other condiments that we referenced in the previous two shows. Uh, I haven't been able to discover uh, any others as of yet. I don't think I've been in a, sh- in a shop really over the festive period, which might be why. So I have to come armed with something else. But uh, as we've been doing on our social channels, which uh, some of you people who watch uh, listen to the pod might have seen, we've been giving away tickets uh, for the last two games. So uh, a very lucky winner got uh, four tickets to, to today's game against Southampton, which I'm sure they thoroughly enjoyed. And likewise with the Huddersfield one, which is a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, we have got four more to give away for West Brom on the horizon, which is the next home game towards the end of the month. We thought we'd give you guys uh, who listen and watch the podcast an opportunity to win those tickets. So we're going to do that by posing a question. Um, and all you have to do is uh, get in touch with us. You can comment if you're watching this on YouTube. You can um contact us on social media message us or whatever and we'll enter all of those names into a hat and draw a winner a little bit closer to that date the quiz question as it's fa cup weekend will be fa cup related the last time Norwich city won in the third round of the fa cup was a couple of years ago now against charlton we want you to tell us who scored the goal in that game it was a one nil victory for Norwich city who was the goal scorer do that and you can have the opportunity and be lucky enough to win uh, four tickets to the west brom game and hopefully everything that we've said in, in part one doesn't put you off in that and actually on uh, while we're talking about it because you might be wondering if you're watching um we've got a uh, a very thick, <laughs> thick vase uh, there. Uh, this is, uh, we, and I think we had Christmas trees there beforehand. I found this on the shelf actually. It's uh, and particularly pertinent because we're entering FA Cup third round weekend. This is a vase which is very. I don't know if you can see the rim on that, but that is extremely thick. Uh, match sponsor for ninety six ninety seven FA Cup third round Norwich City FC versus Sheffield United FC. So that, I don't know the result of that game, but. That should now. have been the quiz question now, shouldn't it? There, yeah, yeah, we have. Uh, it's almost like we throw these things together and we, um, and we do. Uh, no flowers in there. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll have a look at, at that while someone else is, uh, is speaking. Um, let's, let's move on then to, to David Wagner. Today marked his, his 50th game in charge of, of Norwich City. His uh, record, 19 wins, 10 draws, 21 defeats, 67 points, 70 goals, scored and conceded. Uh, it was, before the game, a points per game rate of 1.35, I think, which I guess is kind of the same because they, they drew today, might be slightly higher than that. Paddy Davitt, um, 50 games in, which is a, a milestone of, uh, of an, an achievement, really, for any head coach in this one nearer, however you dress it up. Um, where do, where do you think he's at? What have you made of, of the year? Because those statistics, I think it's hard to, to use any other word, but, but average, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, take the emotion out of it. I mean, you can't... I mean, I think you came up with a start after the Millwall game, which was the end of the calendar year, that uh, move on the points per game. And uh, the end of this season, they finished one place or one point better than last season. So there's no... 
there's no material improvement, certainly not of of the level that it needs to to get them from mid table where they are now um, in in and around the top six. And um, yeah, I think fifty's more than a long body of work now. He's had a, a summer transfer window, which he, he clearly had a major input into. Yes, you come back at me with the mitigation about injuries, and we've seen now today underlined how big a miss Josh Sargent has been. Um, but if you pull all the strands together, the recruitment that has happened on his watch, um, you know, last season, which was a prolonged spell um, to to put something together, a pre-season, which he was very keen to stress is what he felt would be really where he could get his messages across in his footballing identity. Um, it's more of the same. It's more of the same. You can slice this 12 months. It's just block of decent results to find decent, but, you know, more wins and draws and losses. Then it's too many periods of, you know, seven defeats in nine, one win in 11 towards the end of last season. The, these aren't isolate. These are very clearly patterns of David Wagner as Norwich City head coach. And you could argue David Wagner as a football coach, full stop, if you look at his track record at other clubs. So... It's very, very hard to, in, in fact, in my opinion, nigh on impossible to construct an argument that we're suddenly going to see some great leap forward and that David Wagner is going to reinvent himself now as a coach. He's a seasoned, experienced coach. What he believes in, what he abides by, how he wants his teams to play, none of that is going to change now. What you'll get moving forward is what you've had so far. So, you know, if... Um, Let's be charitable. If if just inside the top ten, um, which is is by no means a given, would 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 be good enough for, for Norwich as a football club. I don't think it is. So, you know, for me, he he isn't the manager, and I haven't really thought he was the manager certainly since Sunderland onwards um, to lead this forward. And you know, it's until Ben Napper says otherwise. Um, it feels as it, as as many have, have said, this is a holding pattern period, and uh, we're still in a. A situation where Ben Napper is is maybe wanting to put his key pillars in place, and one of those inevitably will be the head coach. And I don't think David Wagner will be Ben Napper's head coach moving forward. But the question is when, when, and um, you know, events, dear boy. So that 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 might be taken out of his hands if 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 things don't track in a more positive direction the other side of the FA Cup. But uh, in the mid to longer term. You know, I, I frankly would be amazed if if we sat here discussing a hundred games with David Wagner as Norwich manager. Put it that way. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think um, Sam, it's 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 interesting because I think it. So it's the sixth he was appointed, wasn't it? So it'll be kind of uh, later. That I've not uh, not looked at a calendar, so I don't quite know when the sixth is. But it, it's it's on the horizon, marking a, a, a Saturday, the FA Cup game. So. Um, yeah, it's as Paddy says there. It's not really moved forward, and I think it's fair to say. And I. I, I Obviously, had this sense for a while. We've spoken about his, his future enough for, for for the last three months on this podcast. But after Millwall, it felt very different, and um, it felt. And actually, the, the conversations that I've had with, with with kind of fans in my family and and, and friends and, and whatnot have been very different. And it's it's never you can never say it's all Norwich fans, and uh, I wouldn't dare put a percentage on it because uh, you put a percentage on anything, and you can get in quite a bit of trouble, uh, as we've learnt. But there, there is definitely a bulk, I would say, of, of Norwich City fans who are who are fed up with him now, who, who feel like that, that time for change is, is now and, and, and has come at, at this point. 
he's got a difficult task on his hand. Forget kind of playoffs and, and all of the, those matters. Purely in terms of fan relations, it feels like he's got a really difficult job to try and, um, and, and get those supporters back on side. And as we've seen with, with head coaches in football, once, once fans go, it's, it's extremely difficult, nigh on impossible to get them back, even after a run of, of one defeat in eight. Yeah, I think uh, Chris Sutton actually said it pretty well when it looked like everything was coming to a head at Cardiff. I think that was when that positive run of one defeat in eight uh, started. It was two days before um, Ben Napa became sporting director and it was the day that Stuart Webber's uh, tenure ended as as the club's um, sporting director. And he said it pretty well that he can do whatever from now on. As soon as they go and lose another game, everyone will start to turn. And I think we've seen that um, in the last couple of weeks. They obviously, as I said, only lost one in the eight. Uh, the performances weren't great, but that was also that's also been the case at, at various points, um, not only throughout Wagner's tenure, but throughout Norwich City in the last few years. Uh, and as soon as they lost that game against West Brom, given there was plenty of mitigation, West Brom were a good side. They looked like they were probably finishing the playoffs. Um, Norwich had a player sent off immediately in that game or after that game, there were fans calling for his head and blaming him for it. Uh, so I think we have seen that in action, actually, that whatever Wagner does now, as soon as the slightest small thing um, happens, fans will turn against him again. And you can understand it after the, the football they've been subjected to, the results there's been at times, uh, and the fact that this just doesn't feel like it's in keeping with what this football club is. It feels a bit like they're losing uh, the identity that, you know, a lot of people attached to sort of Daniel Farker in terms of the good football, but Norwich, even before that, were well known for playing positive, attacking, passing football. And I don't think they see much that they can relate to in, in David Wagner. You can point at the long-term malaise and the issues uh, in a bigger sense at the football club, but he's the one that's clearly basing a lot of stock in experience. He's the one that's setting a team out to to try and just defend their box and and uh and counter attack against pretty much every opponent in the top ten really. Uh when you look at Sunderland and West Brom as as two of those games where he effectively parked the bus as well and it just doesn't feel like one where it's going to end up um working out. I think when he was appointed they said they wanted somebody who supporters could identify with and whose style of play was clear and although I think both of those elements are true I think the style of play element is probably not exactly what Norwich fans were looking for I don't think anyone takes pride as a, a Norwich fan or, or as a football fan in saying yeah my team is the one that plays the terrible football and I'm proud of it uh, so I don't think that's gone in their favour in that sense and although he connected originally and he probably has done better from a, a personal sense than Dean Smith did to connect with those fans. Ultimately, the product that they care about is the football that they're seeing on the pitch and, and they're not seeing especially good or entertaining football on the pitch. So it does feel a bit like uh, he he is sleepwalking at the moment to, to losing his job. Uh, but equally, it's hard to say that his days are numbered because of the amount of negative runs and poor performances that we've seen with no consequence. I had somebody... I was speaking to uh, in the week and they said, do you reckon if if they lose to Southampton and, and fans turn, then there's any chance Wagner goes? And I said to them, I'm not, I'm not going to predict that he's going to go. Uh, 
until it actually happens because there have been plenty of times where based on logic purely and based on the the examples you see from other football clubs there's no doubt Wagner would have gone and he's managed to survive so I'm not quite sure uh, what what Norwich's plan is in terms of going forward if Wagner is the man for the, the super long term I don't think fans are going to be especially happy about it but at least communicate uh, I don't think anyone's really sure what's happening with the managerial situation so hopefully some clarity is somehow emerges uh, at some point in the near future but it doesn't seem likely even though uh, it feels like like Wagner maybe isn't the right fit for this football club. I, I don't ask this flippantly Adam but is is he doing a, a better job than, than Dean Smith is doing at, at Norwich City or did do over over his time in, in the championship for, for you and in, in your opinion? Uh, yeah that's, that's tough to answer really I, I don't think the football on the pitch is any better or any worse really it's kind of just much of the same um, underperformance which was kind of been a theme I think over, over both managers but the only caveat is kind of what Sam alluded to there is, is the way he's handled himself at, at difficult periods where he could have easily took a you know a bite at fans maybe or or those above or, or the players on the pitch and I think he's always handled himself quite well and he's tried I think the difference is he's tried to connect which is what Sam mentioned kind of you saw it at the start of the season when things maybe were on a positive trajectory and and maybe he had started to get a few fans back on side and kind of that atmosphere after games and, and sort of going over to the supporters and and trying to build that unity and almost kind of what he what I think a lot of his success at Huddersfield was built on was just that unity um, and getting the supporters on side and he was almost a pioneer and, and sort of the way he brought a different style of football to England there and and it worked so brilliantly but you then look at his managerial record ever since sort of leaving Huddersfield and it was a bit of a questionable, questionable appointment I'd say at the time and it's kind of just tracked exactly how we thought it would go he's very streaky in terms of the the performances and the results um, and I think you know Dean Smith you could say was completely the wrong appointment he, he didn't get Norwich he didn't try to get Norwich his family never moved down here that's, that's you know up to them ultimately but I don't really get the sense that he wanted to to buy into Norfolk and the people of Norfolk and, and what they sort of see their football club as and he's kind of used to, to Aston Villa where maybe the kind of I suppose those in, in power there maybe see them as obviously a lot bigger football club and, and maybe their aims are a little bit different. Uh, yeah, David Varden's tried but ultimately when, when you look at it on the pitch and the fan feeling at the moment is exactly the same so it, comparably they're, they're pretty much on the same page. Yeah, I, th I think I think that's that's fair, and and that leads Paddy Apolius uh, onto onto Ben Napper a, a little bit because um, he's been in post now for what, over over sixty days or so, certainly getting on for for a couple of months uh, now since since that since that Cardiff game when when he officially took over. Um, the message when he took over was very much period of assessment. I, I'm going to need time to to kind of take stock and 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 see the lie the land and assess the squad and prepare for January. And I'm sure he's been been spinning endless plates in 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 uh, in his office and uh, and whatnot at Colney. Um, where, where where do you think he is with this all? Because again, everyone keeps talking about long term and I, and I do think a problem Wagner has is that there is very few characteristics about him and how he's kind of conducted himself over his Norwich tenure that is long term whether that's deciding to pivot how, how much he wanted to uh, he, he could answer but towards experience and uh, signing a bucket load of players who, who had no resale value and, and, and moving the club in a different direction um, to his style of play which doesn't really feel like it's building to anything it just feels like it's about similarly today getting a result and then the next game it will be about setting a team up to get a result fine 
But what does that mean in, in, in kind of the long term? I think we see with good teams now, they have a, 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 a very clear, uh, succinct style of play and it's about building towards that. Um, because we, we don't, and it, it's been said, a lot, and, and you said it earlier, I don't want to call you out for it particularly, but it's, it's been a thing that I've heard, which is, well, David Wagner's not Ben Napper's long-term man, but we, we don't know that. We, there's, there's, there, there's nothing otherwise to say that he isn't. No, there's nothing. No, there's nothing. But um, he's still in post. He's still here. But, well, how are you defining long term? Well, how how does anyone define long term well, as head me, coach? It's beyond this season. Long term, mid to long term, is is not is not. But how do we know, how do we know that? Well, we don't know that, do we? But I mean, the reality is, if Norwich finish thirteenth in the Championship again, that 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 isn't that isn't anywhere near good enough for where this football club pitches itself internally as much as externally. Um, so what evidence would there be that David Wagner had stacked up or, or amassed in Ben Napper's eyes to suggest that he would be his and don't say well we don't know that well, no, but we, what, don't, we what, don't know we don't know who's going to win the lottery next no, week no we, we don't but, but, uh, but, but again again yeah, we could count I, I, well, don't what evidence is construct, I don't see how you could construct any justifiable argument based on the empirical evidence around that David Wagner and by that I mean I don't just mean what David Wagner has done since he got to Norwich or more broadly his career I mean what Ben Napper what we know of Ben Napper and what he said himself in his own words in the AGM what he said that night but but more so that first club interview about his philosophy and what he wants and what he's trying to bring and what he's trying to embed but no, to be fair that's, that, that is quite similar to what David Wagner said in his first club interview as well about how yeah. he wanted to play and he wanted to be the protagonist and we, we haven't we haven't seen that no. either no we haven't seen that so he hasn't delivered that has he ultimately if we haven't seen it he hasn't delivered it so the question is will Ben Napper deliver that I I, I, I don't see anything in 25% possession and five across the back that that's chimes with what Ben Napper said in his interviews and that's not to just isolate one game, today's game. Um, clearly, there are. I mean, Millwall they had sixty percent, but they were no less effective in terms of controlling that game. So, I I just don't think um, Norwich are a particularly well coached side. I think we could all agree there are individuals who are more than good enough to be at the right end of the championship in this group of players, but collectively, and it's not just on Wagner; it's his coaching team around him as well. That there are a lot of brain brains trying to drive this club forward in terms of the first team, what it looks like, what is the identity of this team in possession, out of possession, playing the top against middle, playing the bottom in this league. We're not seeing it. We're not on 50 games in for me is a big enough sample to decide that, um, you know, he's not the man uh, for Ben Napper to move forward. So, you know, when, when it happens, um, that will be dictated by the results in the intervening period. I don't, I don't, but it will I, I don't, I don't want to jump in, but I, and I'm, I am only playing devil's advocate to to an extent. But again, we, well, let me flip what, that what, 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 what is there to suggest that he is Ben Napper's uh, mid to longer? Well, he's term? still here. Mid to longer term. I don't. I don't. But mean again, what, what is a, What is a mid to longer term head coach season, these days? Beyond this season. Beyond. Well, we don't know that though. Because it might be that he... We don't he, know he, anything then. He, yeah, no, no, I mean, you, but can, he, you can but, take that to the nth degree. We don't know anything that's going to happen well, tomorrow. No, but, but Ben, Nap ben Napper <laughs> might, have take, might have taken the view, which David Wagner has presented. There's been injuries that uh, they've had to go in certain directions with transfer decisions. Signing Danny Bart, for example, as a reaction to selling Andrew Mabamadeli. They yeah, maybe no. had, they haven't been able to sign the players that, that maybe he, he would have liked them to and move in the direction that, that they would like to. And, and he may feel... Well, if they recruit slightly differently, that David Wagner could be that that man. I'm only playing devil's advocate, but the the thing is, and 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 um, I I completely agree with what you're saying. I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. offering the opposing view, is that if if all of that is true, 
why why would Ben Napper be content with keeping David Wagner now, but then in two months' time we're saying he wouldn't be? What would be the significant change for that to well, to, to have differed? Well, ultimately, if he's identified an individual um, and that individual isn't available, that that for me would be the the bridging uh, element of why David Wagner would remain in post, um, which but is if, why if I feel the summer. If they aren't, if they're not willing to come now at this stage, well, why would they be in the you're summer? You're saying get rid of David Wagner now, and even that's if not, he hasn't got his longer term person, what are you saying? Well, I'm I'm, ju- I'm I'm just saying like all I've heard for ages that well, David Wagner isn't his long-term man but he's he's never said that explicitly and and no, it, and don't. we can only um sort of judge him on the actions so far and that is that David Wagner remains Norwich City's head coach well uh, to this point no I, I don't think I don't think you can because we've it's been made very clear that I mean you say 60 days in the job but that's absolutely nothing in in the in the in the timeline of a what's sporting Stuart director Web, what's Stuart Webber done in 60 days what have you done in 60 days you tell me what did he do? That's out, very but... different though, because that was hard. That was the end of a, that was towards the end of a season, that, not rather than halfway through. So you know, what about David McNally? What did he do in sixty days? <laughs> what get rid of a manager? He had a plan. He acted that plan quickly, right? I'm just, I'm just saying, like it's not, it's, it's. There's two approaches, and I completely get what you're saying. He's got to take his time to assess it, and he's but, got to make those but decisions. But does that come at the cost of just re- a season drifting? No, no, is my if, point. But if he hasn't got to that point, if he hasn't got to that point, you're but saying, why haven't he? Why? Why, why would he? you not be there after 60 days? I don't. I, I, don't I can't know. understand that. Well, you're asking the wrong man. You need Ben <laughs> no, Napper. Sat that's what, it comes back to what asking, I say. I don't if you're know. Asking me why has Ben Napper not reached the end of his potential assessment period? Then that's for Ben Napper to answer, isn't it? Ultimately, well, we don't know. He hasn't. No, we don't know. We don't know anything about anything, do we? But uh, you know, we could be here all night discussing this one. But uh, ultimately, I don't see anything in how David Wagner is. And don't say to me, "Yeah, but he's still here." But I don't see anything in in David Wagner's coaching makeup that chimes with the philosophy and the vision that Ben Napa has mapped out for what he wants for Norwich City. So if there's a de- if there's a deficit between those two polars. Then at at some point, which is probably where we're having this debate, at some point, they're not going to diverge. It's going they, go, they will go their separate ways because unless David Wagner can sustainably, consistently show that he can deliver the type of football and the type of football players that David that Ben Napper has, has made it clear that he believes in is, is his beliefs about football and what he wants to see and what he wants to now develop for Norwich City, then David Wagner will not be here. But as I say, in that space, when that happens, then I think that'll that'll two things. It'll be results in the interim, and B probably more tellingly when and if he identifies a potential successor, and then what the process is to bring that person in. I think that's ultimately where David Wagner's fate hinges in this rather rather protracted debate we've just had in the last 15 minutes no, no, I, I, no I do agree I do agree I do agree with you I was just uh, offering an opposing view because I know there will be people out there who do have that opposing view so it's always worth sharing that but I, I, I do agree with the thrust of, of what you say I mean Sam just to, to bring you in on this really and, and Ben Napper and, and where he's at and like you say it's impossible to know but um, it, I guess what, what fans will be frustrated with which is what I was trying to get there with, with Paddy is this and I, alluded, I said it earlier this sense of drift the fact that some in some people's view Norwich is still five points off the playoffs right so that's still a very achievable target but there are plenty of fans who feel that this that they're not going to do that and, and it's been obvious for months and I said to you earlier I think to an extent 
um, and it's not it's not a popular view, but I think you almost have to ignore the league table. Forget it. Doesn't matter until until May. Not to adopt a you know managerial speak, but I, I think you have to kind of trust what you're seeing and what numbers they're telling you. And at the moment, performances, forget results to an extent. They are telling you and showing you and have been for a long time that this Norwich City side isn't going to finish in the top six. That's that's the reality. And and we can, you know, play around in this purgatory that we were in last season, but um because of all of the things that Paddy outlined, it, they're not they've not quite been there. So so it is being allowed to drift to an extent. And like I said, the summer comes. Norwich could be about John Rowe, they could be about Gabriel Sara, they could be again and, and and then I just think to then go, ah, oh, but we yeah, all of this has happened and we let last season drift. We need another year. If I'm a fan, I don't know if I'm swallowing that really. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's probably good news for Ben Lapper that the transfer window is open now because he needs, to be honest, uh, to put it frankly, he needs to do something. He's, you know, I know Paddy says that 60 days isn't a long time, and maybe in terms of assessing the most important um, piece of recruitment you do and the most important person you appoint. Uh, in your your role as sporting director, maybe it isn't a lot of time, but although there is a lot of work going on behind the scenes, he hasn't done an external interview yet. Um, he hasn't really made any tangible decision that any fans uh, can can see. So I think it's probably good news for him that now he has a period in which it looks likely that there's going to be some business, um, and he can put his name to that as a sporting director. Everybody knows he's in charge of that department and the buck stops with him. So maybe that takes the heat off him a little bit in terms of this this discussion around David Wagner and the indecision because now I think attention is turning to Napa more so with every game that they lose. I'm seeing tweets and other interactions and conversations and um, signs going from Wagner needs to go to where's Ben Napa. Um, and I think the pressure on him to do something is increasing. So this January may give him an opportunity to to alleviate a little bit of that. But I agree with you that they can't allow this sense of purgatory to go on much longer. And if they don't think, which, you know, maybe somebody at some point has to be realistic and say, you know, it's not likely that Norwich get promoted this season. Zoe Webber in her programme notes today was still mentioning the playoffs as a goal and I think at some point somebody has to to step in and, and maybe be a little bit realistic and then they need to communicate that because if there is going to be this period of purgatory which it looks well I think we all know that's what they're in rather than striving or or heading towards any sort of uh, playoff push then there needs to be a communication of why that is and how Norwich are trying to get out of it so um, yeah I think the the pressure on, on Napa is increasing to do that and to show signs of that happening um i understand why you played the role you did in that dis- discussion with pad because it feels like that's the easiest way for napa to inspire that change and to show tangibly that it's happening um i suppose the only thing that the club would would want to do at the moment without being you know totally open maybe about the, the direction of travel and how they're going to get there would be to in- assure people that Work is going on behind the scenes, and you know we know how busy Ben Napper has been. But equally, when you're outside the club, as ninety nine point five percent of the people concerned with it are, you want to be able to see those signs, and you you 
aren't necessarily satisfied with assurances that things are going on behind the scenes that you can't you can't see so um yeah in terms of getting out of that that drift and that purgatory i think it comes either via communication and bringing people with you or it comes via actions and we haven't seen much of that yet so hopefully january provides napa with an opportunity to to do some more tangible things and to show that action is happening and that Norwich are taking steps to try and improve things. And again, I think, I think to an extent, and maybe we've done that in an in in extreme sense, but the, the debate around Wagner and Napa has, has kind of been polarised to an extent. It's either, you know, he has made his decision, he's not his man, but he's waiting, or, uh, you know, as, as the role that I played there in terms of, well, we don't know, he might be. But the, the other reality is that he just doesn't know. He just doesn't know either way yet. And um, how do you, um, or maybe he feels at the moment there are bigger priorities to sort in terms of the squad and maybe he'll, he'll come back to the head coach. So it's, it, again, without hearing from him, it's, it's very difficult. But, but equally, I know probably why he wouldn't want to speak at this moment in time, because what can he say? Because uh, if he's sat opposite Paddy or he's sat opposite someone else or, or us guys, first question what, what are you going to be doing about David Wagner? And, and if you don't have the answer or you don't want to communicate the answer or there is a plan and he's decided that it's, he's not for him, he's not going to say that at this point in time. So um, it's it, it's very difficult. All of this situation is, is very difficult, but self-inflicted, I guess, to an extent. Adam, the FA Cup, up for it? Um, no. <laughs> if I'm being honest, not really. Uh, it's not an overly inspiring draw. I, I actually ventured onto Bristol Rovers' Twitter, and I think they're about as optimistic as I am. Sort of or, or excited, I suppose, about the game that's ahead on on Saturday. Um, just please don't don't be a draw. Um, <laughs> as much as it would be a different ground and a different environment to be trekking to, the thought of going to Bristol on a on a cold Tuesday night. Um, I can't imagine the facilities there are overly brilliant, so it doesn't overly fill me with much excitement. But then again, you know, it could be a springboard if Norwich have all these aspirations of trying to get in the playoffs. A cut run can sometimes be the kind of what you need to to kickstart a season. I mean, go back to kind of that COVID season, that FA Cup run almost helped them get some league form, unfortunately, then obviously to stop kind of put an end to that and then they had that dire end to the campaign. But that almost got the fans back on board and there was that you know brilliant night at Tottenham that we'll all remember for a long, long time. So maybe, just maybe, you know, if they get a win in this one and they get an exciting draw, they can then try and, you know, put a put a run together. And, you know, I'm not saying they're gonna go on and win it, but that that might be a little bit of a mood booster, you know, for fans and we'll see what we get. But yeah, if if we're talking Saturday and, and it's nil nil, I, I really don't care which team wins. <laughs> that's uh, that's nice, uh, nice and honest. Yeah, uh, it, it does feel like one of those seasons where they could probably do with a bit of a cup run. And uh, obviously, you're you're at the mercy of the draw to an extent, and uh, a home tie against a lower league opponent. I think most people would would like to see Norwich City win that. If they do, it's worth noting the away trip that is scheduled to Leeds. Uh, if if either Norwich progress or, or Leeds beat Peterborough, uh, that game will um, be rearranged. That will be the, the the fourth round weekend. So uh, that's worth bearing in mind as well. Just might break up this this uh, tough run that Norwich City have got to an extent. Um, that probably rounds off the pod very, very nicely, I think. Gents, thank you very much. Uh, thank you all very much for watching, stroke listening. Remember to enter the competition. Uh, I'll give you a reminder of that quiz question now in case you've uh, forgotten it. Who was the goal scorer in Norwich City's 1-0 win over Charlton the last time they progressed from round three 
of the FA Cup. And of course, if you are selected by our magical selecting powers, you will get four tickets to uh, to see Norwich City against West Brom at Cow Road in a couple of weeks' time. Don't thank us, honestly. Don't thank us. It's fine. Thank you very much for watching, listening. We'll see you for the next one soon. Bye bye.